right. It's a warm-up time. What is the best gummy bear? Go. Black Forest. Is it an edible? <laughs> kind of gummy bear or the best color or what? Are we no, 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 okay. <laughs> best, like the best brand of gummy bear. If you're going into the candy store, you're going to get some gummy bears. But, oh no, they have multiple choices of gummy bears. This sucks. I have to choose the best one. What do I choose? Haribo. I'm torn between Black Forest and Albany's. Albany's are so good. I've, I don't know if I've had Albany's. I've not heard of that one. They're the one in the white package with the red fancy lettering, and they're very, very good. The ones from Bucky's are good, too. <gasps> Bucky's. Nobody has said Black Forest. Occam said Black Forest. Oh, really? I, I discovered Black Forest recently, and apparently the only place to get them is at Oh, Walgreens. And they're very delicious. I want some right now. <laughs> I know Walmart carries Black Forest, uh, like, it's got, like, gutter kind of stuff. Ham. Well, that too. <laughs> Black Forest ham. <laughs> not the same company. Alcum just brings me a big old thing of Black Forest ham. This is not what I wanted. This is not even a gummy ham. It's just a ham with gummy bears embedded in it. Oh, that's gross. Oh, that's gummy, gummy glazed ham. That's what you wanted, right? Gummy <laughs> glazed. Hello, friends. This is Christy, and you're listening to Tales to Inspire. On their first mission, Operation American Defense fumbled their way to a victory over the Axis Africa Corps, but not without costly mistakes. Many of the heroes bear the scars of stress, both physical and mental. In addition, only after their perceived success did the heroes find out that an entire camp of prisoners of war had been executed just a short distance from where they had been fighting. With such a blundering boner under their belts for their basal undertaking, can these heroes find the resolve to continue? As we open up this issue of Tales to Inspire, we see a little yellow box in the corner that says March 1943, Tunisia, North Africa. And we see... Uh, a military encampment we see some abrams tanks rolling up this ravine we see some royal air force airplanes screeching overhead and we see 
just this allied force uh, setting up an encampment uh, in this mountainous area. Uh, and I think in the next panel, we see um, we see some shallow graves that are in the process of being dug. Uh, and we do not see, you know, the bodies being placed in there, but we definitely feel the weight of those shallow graves. And I think standing nearby, uh, I think we see the heroes of Operation American Defense. Uh, so heroes, if you are here, uh, please describe uh, like what you're doing, kind of set, set the scene in this somber panel that we have. Uh, and if you're not here, uh, well, then I'm very curious to find out where you are. But let's, I'll hand it over to you. What's what's going on in this scene? Um, I picture Gwen standing at the edge of where the shallow graves are. And she's been wearing her go gear, which is basically like a cat suit. And she just rolls down her coveralls or whatever to her hips. And she has a tank top or shirt underneath. Something that women don't necessarily wear. It is hot in Africa. (laughs) And she just stares for a little bit and she's like, huh. Great first day, guys. And you see her turn and walk. And then she just picks up the nearest canteen and starts drenching her head with the water. I think nearby, Torchbearer would take notice of this, of what she said. And kind of looks up from what he's doing and brushes sweat and probably also tears from his eyes and his cheeks and his brow he turns back to what he's doing and forces the shovel into the ground a little bit more heaps out another another load of soil as he continues digging these shallow graves yeah I think our mission is uh off to the side watching uh, the horizon uh, and putting down notes of the deceased um, while whistling to himself a slight tune. Yeah, Crystal Gazer is helping, like, refill holes with using her, like, telekinesis to, like, scoot the dirt back in and cover it. And, um, she's quiet. Unnaturally quiet. Mm. in this moment she's just got this look on her face like um like she might cry but like her eyes are big and tears are in her eyes but she's not saying anything and she's just like filling holes sister solstice is sitting kind of off to the side from everyone and she's kind of like rocking back and forth like she's really shook up she's just a young girl like this is not what she expected and dr fusion is uh off a little little bit away um discussing next like next actions next steps with uh with a general or some sort of commander or something okay um maybe you could be discussing it with uh hives henry richter yeah if he's there yeah Oh yeah, he's definitely there. So he and he and you are talking over on the side. Uh, there's a panel of uh, Gwen going to sit next to Sister Solstice. And she just hands over the canteen that she had. 
just hands the canteen and is like sitting extremely close to her. How old are you, kid? Thirteen. Damn. I mean, I guess in a few years, that's how old I was when I first saw somebody. Anyway. I don't want to say it gets easier, because it doesn't. But, unfortunately, it doesn't stop. So... Welcome to the welcome to the team. Omission like pops out of nowhere. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kid. The emotional and mental damage from this experience, you won't be able to live a life. Milk. <laughs> what? We're tr- no man. She's experiencing the harsh realities of war at thirteen. It might as well tell her the truth about what's awaiting her for the rest of her life and whether this is all worth it. Sister Solstice is just, like, looking between the two of them, like a kid who's looking between her parents that are, like, fighting, and she's just, like, looking back and forth, <laughs> wide-eyed, like, what is happening? Okay, so back to what I was saying. Yeah, it's gonna hurt. It doesn't feel great. doesn't look great. Unfortunately, again, it won't stop. So we just learn to overcome that. She nods her head. And when you get a little bit older, you take a little bit more drinks of whiskey. And then you just move on. Okay. She's still wide-eyed. Yeah. (laughs) We're helping. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, The shovel in... Grant's hand kind of snaps. No. No what? It's not going to be like this. You mean we're not going to bury people? Because... I had talked so much, I thought so much, wanted so badly to come over here and to help out. And it's it's hard to see that as much as I as much as I wanted and as much as I talked the talk when I walked the walk it, it just wasn't enough. Gwen stands up and stomps over to where he is. Don't you dare do that. We did what we could. Sometimes things happen we can't control. I don't want to say sacrifice, but sometimes things have to be done. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's what all of this is. War is all about trading lives, so... This is it. But you... You talk about it being worth it. And it has to be. It's worth it for us to come here to help and to do everything that we possibly can to make sure that kids like her can grow up without seeing war like this. To make sure that no more of us have to be down here in the dirt 
digging graves for people who should have lived long and happy lives. If it's not worth it to you, then you can go home. You can live whatever life you want. But It won't stop, though. Like, all of this is never going to end. This is just humanity. I mean, we just get to see it out in front of us uh, like a play in a theater. Um, but even after all this is over, uh, it's not going to stop. It just will be hid behind the curtains. Gwen puts her hands on both of your shoulders, just standing between you. The point is, even if it doesn't stop, we don't let it stop us. That's the point. Just keep on keeping on. And I am sorry, kid. That's... You got a tough rap. Like, I'm... uh, I have more sympathy for you than any other person here. And that includes the dead. Thank you, I think. Torchbearer goes back to to digging out these shallow graves with his hands because his shovel's broken. Gwen goes to help. Yeah, yeah, Crystal Gazer's going and, like, moving it, trying to, like, scrape with her, like, telekinesis powers and scrape the dirt out of the holes. Your nails are too pretty for this, hon. Yeah, we're not. There's no way. We're doing manual labor. (laughs) (laughs) So, Dr. Fusion is talking to Hives, then. What is our next move? Well, I believe the next military action that we will be pursuing is invading Sicily. Um, Patton and Montgomery want to take it quickly. Um, But that offensive will be about a month removed from now. So in between now, we will be running bombing campaigns on the shore of Sicily to soften it up. And we'll be establishing a base uh, closer to the Mediterranean so that we can easily get to Sicily quickly. Some of us have domestic obligations. Is there a way for us to travel? Yes, uh, it's actually funny that you should mention that. Um, I got a wire from the president today that said a, um, an experimental cross-Atlantic submersible is uh, waiting to ferry you back from the war back to the States. Uh, her name is the Deep Sea Dame and she's actually uh, about a day out. Good. I'll inform the rest of the team. You do that, Doc. And he will walk away toward the rest of the group who I assume are close enough together. Oh, yeah. Today was not so great a victory. Good observation skills, Doc. Any word from the brass? Um, they are preparing for a invasion in Sicily in a month's time. And they have secured passage for us to come and go when necessary. For anyone who needs to Return to the States tomorrow. A ship will be arriving. Yeah, I gotta go back. I also have obligations of my own. I'll stay here. Uh, see what I can do. 
I'm with you, Milt. Kid, what about you? I think I need to go back home. And, you know, it's probably wise if you don't come back. Milk. Who wants to go to war? I agree. A child is no place in this. Look, I get it was hard. But you are strong. Don't let them talk to you like you don't know what you're doing. You make this decision on your own. Okay. Did, did the president know you were a child when he sent you into this? Um, no. Well, you might have to stay behind, sweetie, if you go back. It is your choice. You have until tomorrow to decide. She's just looking around at everybody with an overwhelmed look on her face. Torchbearer gives her kind of a a kind but knowing glance like kind of nods at her she nods her head at that and she looks a little bit more sure of herself and I guess we see a panel of all of you walking your your separate directions and then unless anybody had a a scene they wanted to play out we'll turn the page to uh the, those going on the deep sea dame and those staying here to set up a forward base. Is Torch staying or going? I think I'm going to stay. I just can't help feeling like I've got unfinished business. Very well. The four of you will move forward to the new uh, base of operations in the Mediterranean and myself and you will head back to the States in the morning so we turn the page on that and then in the corner we see the yellow box that says the next morning and we see uh, the deep sea dame pulled up to the shore and I would like somebody just tell me what are we looking at right now like kind of kind of describe what does this experimental high speed submersible look like I picture something super american gaudy there is red white and blue accents in a way that should not be there <laughs> it's got like the Statue of Liberty, uh, like a statue of it attached to the front yeah, it's, with like it's the, the oh um, my gosh prow or what is it called the maiden at the front uh, of the boat? What is that called? The, the front boat. The front thing. boat. It's the front it's boat, the boat thing. <laughs> it's yes. the bowsprit, right? No, the bowsprit is the long is the long uh, beam that goes straight off the ship. So no, Lady Liberty is just sitting at the the figurehead masthead. There, sure. the mast, masthead. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. And she, she has like an AK forty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the the corny version of me is like uh, her breasts are like cannons, oh like God. the torpedoes <laughs> shoot out of the breast. Oh my! No, they're actually workable torpedo <laughs> guns. Yes. Oh my! I like it. (laughs) Fire the freedom tits. (laughs) (laughs) Trademark it. Okay, I'm done. You're welcome. (laughs) 
All right, so very American, very gaudy. Uh, Lady Liberty is on the masthead. Uh, okay. <laughs> and? I can't. I will not speak it into existence yet. Freedom tits. <laughs> I'm America! Can we at least say it's like the upper half of like Lady Liberty, but the, like her bottom half is the mermaid? Yeah. Oh, and like yeah. it runs, like the mermaid runs underneath the the hole of the the deep sea dame. I like sure. I like it. I oh, like and it. every scale is a U.S. state. It has like a little like initial <laughs> oh my of a U.S. Gosh. state. Oh, symbolism. Yeah. Okay, I kind of like, like that actually. I kind of just like have like that. carved into it the the states. I like it. I can just I can just see it on the page of the comic book. I'm sorry, it's just perfect. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I, I hope you guys get attacked because I want to see it in action. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm also agreeing with the angular look, like something that looks like it's going to cut through the water mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. almost no drag to it. That's like, yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite things about like the book depiction of the Nautilus. It has like that like raised, like serrated like yeah, blade yeah. on the front of it. Yeah. And then when you get inside yeah. it, it makes no sense as why there's that much room. <laughs> it's a, yeah. a, a target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that that's the case for sure. And like the rear of it where propellers would normally be, it looks almost like uh almost like a combustion engine. Like there's like pipes coming off of the back of it. Hmm. You see like movable almost like pi- uh pistons, not pistons. Like pistons, yeah. <laughs> They're like muff- mufflers. You see, yeah, you see the movement like it's like an old school It's like a hot rod. Yeah. 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 I see that. Yeah, yeah, it's like a hot rod engine on the back of the. All right, boat. make make sure this is written too, because oh, I'm right, I'm writing it all down right now. <laughs> so it's parked at it's parked at the port, like ready to pick them up when we wake up. Yeah, yeah. So so we have you know the sh- establishing shot of like the deep sea dame and we see all these details like painstakingly drawn by the artist and like you are like these little bitty figures next to the deep sea dame and then in the next panel uh we see the six of you standing there by the deep sea dame well don't break america's new toy that thing looks shiny it is a little gaudy for my taste they certainly went for style over function I don't know. It looks functional enough. Well, part of the design must have been to scream America. That's outrageous. You would think that for a secret government vessel, they would make it a little less conspicuous. Gaudy, honey. The word you're looking for is gaudy. I like how we're shitting on our own design. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Just not 30 seconds ago, all of the players are like, this is great and we love it. And the character's like, this yeah. is the worst. <laughs> and that's how you know we're great role players. Because <laughs> we, are, we are not designers and our characters actually have taste. <laughs> true. True. I don't know what you talking about. I thought it was amazing. Well, do what you gotta do and then... We'll have a place set up so we can make a plan. Yeah, enjoy your vacation from war. I guess we'll just be here warring it up by ourselves. No. No. Crystal, I'll save you some wine. I hear they have some good stuff there. 
Sounds good. Thanks, sweetie. Torch kind of looks over at Sister Solstice. You sure you don't want to take some time? Maybe see some friends or something? But what if I can't come back? You do what you have to do. If you feel like you need to be here, you've already proved that you can make it. If you need to go home, you've earned the right to be a kid. No one's going to tell you what to do, right? Eh. (laughs) I just... I want you to be sure that this is your decision. And if if you want to go back, you know that nobody here is going to blame you. Least of all me. But if... If you do want to come back... We'll make sure that you can. Sister Solstice nods her head slowly and steps towards the ship. Be safe. All right, y'all have fun on your party boat. (laughs) Gwen is just like gripping the back of Milk's like (laughs) suspenders. Get back. Calm down. You know, sometimes... Forgetting you is a blessing. (laughs) That hurts. That hurts a lot. Not gonna lie. Uh, I'm gonna go back to this war, which is infinitely less harming. (laughs) Nice, Doc. But before he turns and walks to the ship, he walks up to Geiger Gwen. And kind of leans in and whispers into her ear. When I return, you will explain to me why you you are in Oregon State University. She just hisses in his ear. (laughs) You have plenty of time to come up with a good answer. And then he will turn around and walk onto the ship. She does a vulgar hand gesture at his back that no one really knows what it is, but it is spelled out vulgar hand gesture. (laughs) The artist is like drawn over it, scribbled it out, and it just has like white lettering in the black, like vulgar hand gesture. Redacted. (laughs) Redacted. (laughs) I like it. Oh, I like this relationship so much. It's going to be great. (laughs) It's going to be good. All right, Dr. Fusion walks on to the deep sea dame. Oh, I'm on. I'm I'm heading on that ship. I'm yeah, Sister that. Solstice. I'm that ass on there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sister I'm Solstice is doing that, but she's getting on. Good grief. Okay. So we see the the hatch close on the deep sea dame. It slowly lowers into the water. You watch as Lady Liberty, the masthead, disappears beneath the water. The last thing to dip beneath the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, And then three heroes going back to the States. Three heroes staying here with the war effort. (laughs) 
Hello, friends, and welcome to the mid-roll section of Season 1, Episode 3 of Tales to Inspire. I'm your host, David White. And do, do you notice something different about, I don't, I don't know, just about maybe the audio in this little, this little section? Do, do you like it? Well, you might notice something different because I'm recording these show notes from my new house. Yay! That was a weird sound to make. I'm very sorry for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, Carrie and I uh, have moved into a new house, a much better house, better neighborhood. Uh, I'm very, very excited for it. And actually, that kind of leads me into the little next Part, which is I'm sorry uh, for taking a month off. Um, we took a month off during the month of June because um, it was a very stressful time. We were supposed to move into our new house on June 2nd. We did not move into our new house until June 24th. Um, there were a lot of complications on the side of the buyer who was buying our old house. Uh, and so our date kept getting pushed back and that was very very frustrating because we basically lived in boxes for 22 days um, and uh, yeah but I, I decided to put releasing on a hold so uh, you know I didn't have to have that on top of me also I couldn't like my microphone was packed up in a box and I really didn't want to unpack it to record stuff so anyways we've moved it's such a nice place. Uh, I'm coming to you from a space that is just going to be dedicated to recording both Sins of the Father, uh, Tales to Inspire, and, you know, anything else that we record for Misconceptions Podcast Studio Network. Uh, I'm, I'm just so excited for this space. Like, I finally have a space that isn't a corner of a little bitty room that Carrie and I were sharing for our personal offices. Um, I'm, I'm just so excited. There's going to be sound panels everywhere. I have these, like, little mats down on the floor to, to help with sound cancellation. I'm, just, I'm so excited, y'all. I'm just so excited. Uh, and I'm also excited that you're here listening to this episode. <laughs> did, you, did you see how I did that? The little... A little workaround. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to get back to releasing Tales to Inspire to give you more of this great story and these great characters. And I really hope that you are enjoying the story that we have so far. Now, allow me to change gears a little bit because I've I've been kind of lighthearted. I've talked about, you know, our hashtag first world problems, which really in the grand scope of things are not a huge problem, really just an inconvenience. But I wanted to switch... Uh, but I wanted to switch it up real quick and kind of get a little serious. Um, because during the month of June, uh, especially towards the last week and a half of June, things got really bad in the United States of America. And I, I would be remiss to continue this show notes on this episode on this day, the 4th of July in uh, 2022, and not talk about what's going on in the United States right now. And, uh, you know, I we here at the Misconceptions Podcast Network try very hard not to let our personal uh, religious beliefs um, or political beliefs bleed into the game. That is just something that we have made a concerted effort not to do on our shows. However, I believe what is happening right now in the United States is not a political issue. Rather, uh, it is 
a healthcare issue. It is a human rights issue. It is a, a liberty and independence and freedom issue. Uh, it seems like just in uh, the last week or week and a half, um, the Supreme Court of the United States made some awful, awful rulings that will hurt a lot of people in this country. Uh, we have health care rights, women health care rights being stripped away from them. Um, we have, uh, you know, environmental agencies that are being stripped of their power. Um, we have uh, indigenous people who are being stripped of their sovereignty. Uh, we have all this stuff coming from the Supreme Court, you know, the, the highest court in our country. And it's scary. It is scary. It is scary. Uh, you, let, let's be honest. I am a white man um, in the United States. Truly, these things don't affect me except for the environment because, you know, even white men need clean air and a planet to live on. But really and truly, I am the least affected uh, of all these rulings that have come out. But it should not have to happen to me for it to matter to me because I'm seeing friends, people that I love that are waking up each day with less rights in the morning than they went to sleep with the night before. And that makes me angry. It makes me scared. And I hope that it makes you scared. And I hope it makes you angry as well. Because it seems every day this country is getting closer and closer to a Christian theocracy. And I am a Christian. I'm not sure if you knew that. And the idea of this country, of, of a religious group, of my, of my religious group, forcing everyone else in this country, regardless of their religion, regardless of their gender identity, to conform to a book and teachings that they do not believe in is scary to me. And it is also frustrating to me. Uh, and so I, I just wanted to take a moment right now on this day the the fourth of july and you know my my relationship let's say with the fourth of july independence day has changed drastically since 2016 uh my my willingness to participate in it to buy memorabilia of it to buy into propaganda of it just to celebrate it um has dwindled greatly um and I'm sure there are some of you that, that feel like that. And maybe there are some of you that don't feel like that. Um, but today, I just, if, if you would, uh, I just wanted to tell a story. Can we, can we tell a story together? I would like to tell a story. When Carrie and I moved into this house that we're in right now, uh, there was this gorgeous uh, double, double French door situation in the back that gave a beautiful view into our backyard, which is another really great aspect of this house. Um, however, the door had some problems. Uh, first, the handle was loose. Uh, I had to pull on it multiple times just to get the latch to come out far enough for it to come out of the mortise for me to open the door. And it was even harder to open the door from the other side. There were some gaps in the door frame, allowing bugs to crawl in and the cold air to seep out. Uh, and whenever I opened the door, it made this horrible scraping noise along the floor. And for all of these flaws, I hated the door. 
I hated the door for its inconvenience, its inefficiency, and its inability to function as I knew a door should be able to function. So I decided to fix it. I started in the morning by assessing the problems, by taking measurements, and looking up parts online. Then I went to the store and bought what I needed. Uh, I started this project in the morning. I didn't finish it until very late in the afternoon. Uh, I had to go back to the hardware store multiple times that day. Uh, not all the tools or pieces I bought worked. I had to reevaluate my plans once I realized that they were not going to fix the problem. But I never gave up on trying to fix the problem. I never thought about moving to a new house with a door that operated the right way. I was determined to fix my door because even with all of its problems, I knew it could be a good door. Fast forward numerous hours, multiple trips to the hardware store, and not a few cussing tirades later, the door was fixed. I had replaced the handle. I had chiseled out a new mortise, I had placed new weather stripping, I had tightened the screws on the hinges, and now the door worked. The door closed easily now, from both sides. Uh, I could turn the deadbolt to lock the door. I could no longer see light seeping through uh, between the door and the door frame. The door no longer made a horrible scraping noise along the floor when I opened it. I had made the door better. Not just for me, but for my wife and our son and our friends who are going to come over to our house and use that door to go out into our beautiful backyard. Sometimes hating a thing because it does not operate the way it should, the way you know it should, is a good thing. Especially if your hatred compels you to fix it and make it better, not just for you, but for everyone else too. I wish more people realized that. Anyway, happy 4th of July to anyone that's still celebrating this year. And now let me change gears once again to thank our patron backers. Uh, I would like to thank these people that are supporting our show. Celeste, thank you so much for upping your pledge so that you can participate in the patron-only game nights with us. And uh, I have enjoyed the patron-only game night that you have been a part of, and I look forward to many more in the future. Aubrey T. Harris. Aubrey, thank you so much for supporting us, and thank you so much for upping your pledge so that you can also participate in the patron-only game nights with us. And unfortunately, our schedules haven't worked out where you've been able to join us yet, but I look forward to the night when you are able to. John Tabor. John, thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, your support goes towards helping us pay our performers, pay for sound effects and ambiance. Thank you so much, John. And I would also like to give a shout out to Snyder's Return. Not only is Snyder's Return a great podcast with a great City of Mist actual play and some really cool interviews with some really brilliant people in the TTRPG space, but they are also one of our patrons. So thank you, Snyder's Return, for supporting us. And with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the episode. Mechanically, what I would like for us to do now is to do the downtime move. Uh, and in the downtime move, whenever you have 
downtime. downtime. Uh, you can choose one way to spend it. Uh, and these are the different ways. You can go click on the special moves tab uh, to see this. Uh, so whenever you have character, whenever your character has some downtime, choose one way to spend it. Uh, spend time with someone important to you. Tell everyone at the table how you do it and step back one of your bond clocks by one. Gather intel. Tell everyone at the table how you do it and you gain an answer to one of these questions below. Who can tell me what I want to know? Where can I find dot dot dot? What are the rumors about dot dot dot? Who is the most upset about dot dot dot? Who stands to gain the most from dot dot dot? Uh, acquire an asset. Tell everyone at the table what the asset is and how you acquire it and gain a temporary advantage. You take a plus one ongoing when using the advantage for its design purpose. Rest and recover from your last activity. Tell everyone at the table how you relax and unwind and clear two stress or clear one condition. And then the comfort and support a friend. Ask an ally a question. If they answer truthfully, they can recover a, a condition or two stress. If they ask you a question and you answer truthfully, you can also recover a condition and or two stress. Um, so narratively, describe it however you want, um, but mechanically, uh, you can do those those different things during this downtime uh, montage. But uh, where where where's the next panel drawn? Where do we turn the page to? I I, I so for. Uh uh, omission. I'd like to take the rest and recover. Okay. Because my I'm super stressed. Mm -hmm. um, so what he's going to do is he's gonna go like this month. He's gonna go behind enemy lines to like German cities and such, um, and just like enjoy uh, some time alone, uh, wandering the streets of of Germany and such and. Uh, maybe getting a drink somewhere, uh, uh, talking to people. But yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We we turn the the page and we see like the little yellow box that says uh, Germany, like some I don't know, Bundeskrag. I don't know if that's an actual German town, but it's a place in our universe. Uh, just like Latveria is in Marvel, Bundeskrag Germany is a thing. Um, <laughs> Bundeskrag. My name is Craig. Um, so <laughs> we see Omission walking around the street. We see him talking to people, drinking a beer. Uh, yeah. So go ahead and you can recover two stress or you can clear Ooh. one condition. Yeah, I'm recovering to stress because I don't have any conditions. All right. Perfect. Go ahead. Clear Rude? that stress. Oh, and I guess I should <laughs> mention now, uh, listeners, you're probably wondering, wait, stress conditions, that's not the HP management system that David mentioned in the previous episodes. No, it's not. Because I'm the biggest critic of my own work. And after listening to, or not listening, but living through the past episodes in combat, I was like, I don't like how combat flowed. That was kind of boring for me. And I obsessed over it, and I couldn't get it out of my head. Um, so we have switched our HP management system to uh, be like the Avatar Legends. Uh, HP management system and we're also using their combat system which 
I mean, hopefully, the combat system will not come up in this chill downtime episode. Um, but <laughs> uh, we're using stress, so each character has five stress, and the stress tracks their mental fortitude, their physical, their emotional state. Um, and in combat, they can use stress to activate different abilities and different techniques. And like I said, we'll talk more about combat later. Uh, and then you have conditions, which people familiar with other games, uh, other Powered by the Apocalypse games should know. Um, but there are conditions like uh, angry, afraid, guilty, hopeless, insecure, um, that will affect how a character role plays, but also it will affect the moves that they make and give them negative moves. Um, because this game is going to be spread out like over a decade, over multiple decades. Uh, and so it wouldn't make sense for a character to like get an owie in 1943 and still be suffering from that owie in like ni- 1945. Um, but a person could definitely acquire some guilt in 1943 and carry it with them for two years. So I think the, the emotional like impact of conditions narratively works better for our system. But I say all that to say that that's the HP management system we're rolling with now. Uh, yeah, so that's what Omission's doing with his downtime. My idea for what Torchbearer would be doing is kind of like embedding himself in like a one of the one of the other squadrons and stuff and just like helping them out and getting to know them better and just kind of throwing himself back into his work. So would that be your like rest and recover or? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm kind of torn between like uh, comfort and support a friend or spend time with somebody important to you. Uh, um, I don't think it would be comfort and support a friend because that's more for like NPC or not NPC. Sorry, player character interaction. I feel, um, I, feel I feel bad saying anything to Sister Solstice when we could have just like had a good scene with her or something. <laughs> I have an idea. Could he acquire an asset of like troop morale or something? Yeah, he definitely could. That's a good idea, Occam. Um Because that'd be a good way of doing it. Yeah. So he has like a plus one like. Uh, morale, like troop morale asset. Yeah. Okay, I like that. I like that. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and lay out this scene for us. What's what's going on? Torchbearer's kind of looking around, uh, just kind of unsure of what to do. Uh, nobody's really talking to him, or no, like like hives isn't around. No commanding officer is really like paying attention to him, or like barking orders at him like he expected would be the case pretty much 24-7 since he got here. And then he just sees this group of soldiers kind of relaxing, um, just kind of minding their own business. Some of them are throwing darts, some of them are drinking, playing cards, and there's just one hanging off to the side watching everybody who's uh, got his feet kicked up and is smoking a cigar and Torchbearer walks over to to introduce himself. Hey, um, I'm Grant Godwin, uh, Torchbearer. What are you guys What are you guys doing over here? 
we're just resting up for next combat. That's, that's probably for the best. Uh, should probably be doing the same. Uh, you guys okay? Did you take any losses in the last operation? Roaring Twenties don't have any losses. We just have advances. Ain't that right, Twenties? Yes, sir! That's that's really good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. What do you guys do for fun around here? I don't know. You ever play darts? He walks you over to where they have like a makeshift uh, dart board set up. Uh, and of course, in the middle of it, there's a picture of Adolf, like a news clipping of Adolf Hitler. And they have like a knife jammed through the top of it, holding it there. And there's all these darts around it. Uh, and he, he takes one of the darts and hands it to you. Torchbearer, was it? Yeah, um, you can call me Grant. Henry Holmes. He holds out a hand to you. It's nice to meet you, Henry Holmes. Shakes his hand. So, uh... So what, I, uh... I just... Throw it... And... Hope to pierce the... The face of Adolf Hitler? Yeah. Try to put it right there between his eyes. Alright, I can... See what I can do. (laughs) Should I roll for this? Uh, no, this is definitely not a roll. Uh, just, just tell me what happens. Uh, he, he tries to be, like, subtle and, like, you know, throw it like he thinks a normal person would throw it, but he ends up throwing it a little bit too hard and Mm -hmm. kind of embeds Mm -hmm. the dart, uh, somewhere, somewhere in, like, the mouth region of Adolf Hitler, but very, very deep, going through the paper and into the tree that it's stuck to. Yeah, yeah, and it like, it like goes halfway in, piercing the tree behind it. the The dartboard kind of cracks, uh, and all the the roaring twenties look at the dart at one panel, and then they're all looking at you in the next panel. Henry Holmes says, "Damn, well." Might not have been between the eyes, but don't get in between this guy and Adolf Hitler, know what I mean? And he claps a hand on your shoulder and... And, uh, Phil, you now have a plus one asset, uh, boosted morale. Excellent. Uh, Henry, can I ask you a question? Sure, Grant. Uh, there's... There's something that's been, uh bothering me since we got here uh, I guess I'm just having a hard time uh, do you do you think that what we're doing here is is worth it do you think that fighting this war and you know trying to make this this place better this trying to make the world a better place is you think it's all worth it? He uh, clutches his cigar between his teeth, and uh, I think it's. I think whenever you were talking to the Roaring Twenties, it was like daylight, and I think this next panel is like it's night. The stars are overhead. Y'all are like drawn with just like a sliver of color, 
to uh, to accent the moon and we just see like he clutches the cigar between his teeth and we see like the bright orange glow illuminate his face in one panel and then it dims in the next panel and he exhales and we see all silhouettes again with like smoke coming out of his mouth and he says well hell if we weren't here what would that mean for the rest of the world just gonna let a bunch of Nazis goose step their way across the continent then come to the states <laughs> I don't think so buddy I think we're fighting a good fight here and sure we may lose some men and may even lose our own lives but that's war ain't it it's true guess I just I don't know I guess I just needed to hear from somebody else I just, I hope I can make a difference. And if you guys ever need any help, uh, just know that I'm here for you. Hell, I thought your superheroes were supposed to be uh, bigger than life. Hearing you talk, you ain't too different from me. Hell, one day even I might be a superhero. You're already a hero to me, Henry. Uh, and we turn the page. What's the next scene we see? Okay, so Geiger Gwen wants to gather intel. She wants to get a heads up on what's going to be happening. Okay. But instead of uh-huh. gathering intel on, like, the Nazi invasion, <laughs> uh-huh. she follows Torchbearer to where he's going and kind of just sits back and watches him. Hmm, okay. To see what his interaction is like. So I don't know if that's still gathering intel or what. Hmm. Okay, well, you have these these five questions here. Wait, one, two, three, four, five. Yes, five questions. Okay, so this is what um, I'm going to do. You're, you're in a bar, like, right, with all of them? Uh, with, tor- with Torchbearer? No, I think they're, like, outside, right? Yeah, we were just like at one of the like sitting around in the camp, like a just like the military. Oh, okay, okay. So Geiger Gwen goes to up some just random soldier mm-hmm. that's around, and she just starts chatting him up. Like, all right, so what do I have to expect? Let me know what I have going on here. Okay. So, so which of those questions are you wanting to ask? So, where can I find the person who's in charge of the next attack? Where can I find the person who is in charge of the next attack? Uh, so, you grab a you grab a soldier, uh, and he points to this this big tent towards the middle of camp, and he says, uh, "Well, technically, I guess there's two. Uh, there's." the British General uh, Montgomery and then there's the American guy uh, Patton uh, I think they're both taking lead on this invasion oh I like the accents I'll go for the British guy <laughs> she just starts walking towards the tent and she just barges right in alright so I need to know what's gonna happen because we're gonna be here real soon trying to make things go down so and you you walk into a tent full of men and cigar smoke 
and half-drunk whiskey glasses, and there's the uh, table with the map of Sicily and different camps uh, and entrenchments and battlements, uh, and all these men just look over at you, just flabbergasted. We see Bernard Montgomery with a with a mustache and kind of high cheekbones, uh, and he just furrows his brow at you and says, Young lady, this is not a place for you to be in. And Henry Richter Hives steps in and says, uh, Generals, uh, if I may acquaint you with Geiger Gwynn, a member of Operation American Defense, uh, she will be helping with the assault in Sicily next month. Hives, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I do declare, gentlemen, I am here at your service. Of course. <laughs> you see, <laughs> there's a panel of all the, the soldiers in this room. You see the American ones like have a sly smile on their face and all the British are just offended. <laughs> she just walks over to where Montgomery is. I hear you have the accent and the authority to tell me what's going on. Yes, madam. Right this way, then. And as he turns to lead you towards the map, uh, he turns to one of his attaches and says, I will not have the invasion of Sicily hanging on the likes of American supers. Get me in contact with a team of British capes immediately. And then he turns back to the map. Uh, and he starts explaining, you know, the, the bombing that the, the Royal Air Force is doing to soften up the defenses of Sicily. Uh, there's going to be three landing zones, and he shows you where the landing zones will be. And he's in charge of two, which he makes sure to announce very loudly. Patton is only in charge of one. And Patton, you know, is very <laughs> gruff and takes a sip of his whiskey. And uh, that you feel a rivalry between these, these two. Ooh, boys, um, boys, calm down. I'm sure I can help you both. All right, so <laughs> there's a picture of her just pointing at the map. Tell me uh, who stands again the most from getting Sicily. Obviously Germany, but anybody who's in league with them? Unfortunately, you can only ask one of these questions per downtime. All right, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so he's he's giving you, like, the spiel, uh, and I think... Is there is there anything specific you want to know uh, without... Yeah, I mean, you, no, you I found just, the person who has that information. I information enough to be able to relay it to her team when they got there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so the plan is for you heroes to help... Uh, with the amphibious assault on the island of Sicily, storm the beach, uh, take the towns, you know, push the German line. Well, I guess it would be German and Italian line back and hopefully off the island so that you can then all get to Italy. And Patton and Montgomery both agree that Italy is the soft underbelly of Europe. And if you can take Italy... And claim it before Germany can turn its forces towards you, before Ubermensch comes from the war he's waging in the Soviet Union, and before he can get there, then 
you the allies will be set for a secure victory within a year or two. All right, all right. Well, I think I know what I need to know. Point me in the right direction, and I will get these men to fall in line. Thank you, boys. She just walks out. <laughs> and you see, as soon as you walk out the tent, uh, Hives in the corner, like, lets out an audible sigh, like... <sighs> that poor guy. <laughs> and, like, collapses against the boxes in the corner. <laughs> He's like, oh, God, I'm not getting paid enough for this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, hives. (laughs) All right. And we turn the page from that scene. And I guess now we turn to the deep sea dame. Uh, Is there anything going on in the deep sea dame in the five-day journey back to the States? There's so there's a couple things I'd like to do, but I don't know which works for what, and if we want to do both or just one. So reel me in if you need to. Okay. Um, but Crystal Gazer, um, she has realized now that being around Doctor Fusion has it just totally like nullifies her powers. Not nullifies like she could still read other people as long as they're not like he, she's not he's not like an interference between them. Um, so upon realizing this. There are, like, moments where she will be around him in, like, sort of in the sort of weird weird orbiting sort of way. Like, people on the boat look for, they see him and she's always near him for some reason. Because she's trying to rest and relax her mind. This is the first time when she's realized this person sort of nullifies it. So if I kind of put him between me and other people, I can let down my guard, I can rest, I can relax. Yeah, I like that. And I don't even know if he's realized she's doing this yet. He has no idea. <laughs> okay. Completely oblivious. Right. Yeah, so we have that. Oh, I like. Okay, so here's how the artist draws it. Like, we see Crystal Gazer with, like, all these word bubbles in the background. Very, <clears throat> very much like her issue zero, where all the thoughts were coming in from all the people in the buildings around her. She's like, all these. All these bubbles, all these bubbles, all these words, fragments of conversation and thoughts that we can see. Uh, And then she's like just sitting there, her face tight and tense. And then we see Dr. Fusion walk by and those bubbles are still there, but they're all blank. And then as soon as he walks out of frame, the bubbles are back with the words in them. Then I think Crystal Gazer follows after Dr. Fusion. I think it's just a very quick scene. Yeah. Quick three panels. Uh, yeah, and then turn the page. A yellow box that says the United States of America. Uh, I think we cut to Dr. Fusion working in a, a new lab, a different design, like, sh- shape and upgraded lab from the one from his, from his issue zero. Just kind of working on things. And then he is in his little offshoot room behind his office. um, And he kind of finishes what he's doing and and takes his gloves off and throws them down. Walks out of the room and Crystal Gazer is asleep on his couch. Oh. She's just there, asleep. Is Is she in superhero regalia or is she as Margaret Meadows? Probably is Margaret Meadows. She's probably like still in stage makeup from like a role 
or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because I imagine when she came home, she went straight to the studio. And then what I kind of imagine, because that's not a whole lot of time to film, is what she they were they were doing pickup shots because there were some things they had they didn't get exactly right the first cut through so they had to refilm a few things for something that she had worked on before she left so she went straight to the studio and then after she got done at the studio she's like dead dog tired and just goes there and like falls asleep so yeah he kind of sees her looks confused and just sits down at his desk and starts working but does he something. recognize that it's her, though? I think he does. Like, there's a look of recognition, and he's just like, okay. <laughs> as he maybe as he sits down, the chair kind of squeaks, and she opens, like, starts, and like looks panicked for a moment, and then like looks around, remembers where she is, because a lot's happened, uh, and she like looks over and kind of gives a sort of sheepish smile like um you quiet the voices he like half looks up and looks back down at his papers i i do not know what you mean but as long as you do not get in my way well so ever since i was a little girl i could i could hear people's thoughts and uh it takes a lot of work to shut everybody out all the time, especially when it's crowded or I'm stressed out. And uh, Well, for some reason, you kind of interfere with that. And I hope you're okay with me just hanging around. I, I know I won't get in the way, I promise. That sounds exhausting. Yeah, it is. Hmm. Perhaps that has something to do with the uh, small electrical generated field that surrounds me at all times. Electric generated field? I have been working on a renewable energy source for many years. A couple of years ago there was an explosion and afterward I um seem to have some sort of power running through me. So it's my it's what I use to power the gadgets that I use. Oh wow. Hey, that's pretty neat. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry an explosion brought it on, but uh I bet that does have something to do with it. Uh it's creating some kind of interference and well I wish I could bottle that. I it's so hard sometimes and you know every time I turn around I I go ahead and read people's minds because well it's easy if you know what people are thinking about you I've been in a lot of bad situations you know and uh knowing someone's intentions makes things a little bit easier but I suppose you're only concerned about your work right it is important work yeah, well, that's good then. And she has this look on her face like she's not sure if that's good because she's not used to not being the center of attention, so it kind of irritates <laughs> her, low-key. Mm. 
but uh she just kind of shrugs and lays back down he looks up one more time as she does has a con- a- another slight confused but i don't know he's kind of glad for the company and then goes back to the work okay uh so, Occam, it sounds like you are wanting to spend time with someone important, so you're wanting to step your bond clock with Crystal Gazer back by one? Yep. Because it went up All with right. one when I knocked a bullet into her on accident. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, can we just focus on those two for the rest of the scene? <laughs> I mean, yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, well, I guess we turn the page from that scene to do we follow crystal gazer or do we do sister solstice i feel like i've done a lot <laughs> but i do want to have i do want to have a moment with um arguing with julian sure sure because he's gonna be pissed oh yeah i'm i'm fine either way okay going last mm-hmm. okay all right then we're gonna turn the page uh what what scene where's crystal gazer at uh, I think it's the next morning she's left and gone home and washed up. Um, or she's leaving and going home to wash up. So we see her unlock her front door and reach over and grab, like, on the side table, there's a bunch of mail that's been there that she has not attended to at all. And she starts kind of flipping through letters. And I think Julian's there. Oh, like at your apartment? Yeah. Okay. Like, and she doesn't realize it yet. <laughs> so the lights are off. You walk in. You're shuffling through mail, like on a little like uh, table right there in like the entry hall or something. Uh, and you like flick on the lights, and Julian is sitting like in your sofa chair with like both his legs flung across uh, the the armrest. Where the hell have you been? Oh, hell, Julian. I'm sorry, I was, uh, busy. I've been busy, you know? Yeah, you've been busy. I'm a Hollywood producer without his most famous star. And he gets up and he's like, he's tapped into your scotch and he's like swinging papers around and he's just sauntering across your living room. Where the hell have you been? It's been a month. Uh, well, you know, I, um, I'm met somebody and i've been kind of you know hanging around with them there's a panel of him just like slack-jawed staring at you and then the next panel is him still slack-jawed staring at you but he has a word bubble and he says honey this is hollywood people hook up with new people they meet new people every day it doesn't interfere with making show business does it have to do with you know he like puts his finger to his temple and like makes a squinty face the less you know the better Julian that is a wonderful thing to tell your agent look it might or might not have to do with fighting Nazis what? and you can like literally see the cash signs pop up in his eyes (laughs) a superhero fighting Nazis imagine we sell this alright Margaret Meadows playing herself, punching Hitler straight on the jaw. Julian, I can't let the world know who I am. I, if I do that, I well, I'll have no privacy at all. 
you become more famous than your wildest dreams. You become richer. You won't be living in this pigsty anymore, I can tell you that. I become a target. You're a superhero. You go out, you're a target every night. Well, that's true, but if it's connected to me, then my own personal life becomes Crystal Gazer's life, and anything I know or love, I, I could be a target for anybody, and someday, Julian, I want to have a family. I, I want to have a real life. I don't want to be stuck in Hollywood my whole damn life. I, well, let me tell you, someone who's happily married and has a kid of his own, it's not all it's cracked up to be. He, like, rubs the bridge of his nose with his thumb and forefinger. Listen. Just... Don't say anything. Please. If, if everyone knows, and I, I... I don't know what's gonna happen. I... I just... I got a bad feeling about it, and... I spent my whole life trying to... Tuck it all away and hide it and keep it from everyone, and I... I just can't let the world know who I am, because... And everyone will know I'm a freak. He lets out a sigh, and he looks at you earnestly. <sighs> well, Mags, you've kept Fred and I a secret for this long. I'll keep your secret, too. She uh, smiles really big and runs and gives him a hug. Oh, you smell awful. And you look horrible. He reaches into his suit jacket and he pulls out a familiar pill bottle and rattles it. You haven't been skipping out, have you? What? Skipping out? I... Listen, honey. Hollywood is all hustle and bustle. You gotta take it if you wanna make it. <sighs> Julian, you know I can't. And she just like... She's like... The the shot is like... in this, They're like face to face. Just she's like gazing into his eyes. Like... Like it's pleading look. Like... I, I can't take that. I, I got real good sleep last night. I'm good. I promise. I hope you're good, because you got a scene with Ronnie Reagan in about an hour. I'll be waiting downstairs. He puts the bottle of pills right next to your mail and says, just in case. And then he walks out the door. I think the shot is her just standing there with her, like, hands together in front of her, like, like in front of her abdomen. And, like, looking disheveled and just lost and wide-eyed as she watches him walk away. Like, the overall feeling of, like, this is a person I depend on. This is a person that's in my life who's a rock, but they're also trying to enable me. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. want to do this. But I know they want me to do this. And I owe them so much. But that's, like, the undercurrent yeah. of this look on her face. Yeah. Um... Do we turn the page from that scene? Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we do, uh, which of those mechanics do you want to do from downtime? I already did one, right? Did you do one? Yeah. Yeah, I did the, the spending time, the rest and recover. Oh, you want that to do was my intent with that. Rest and recover? Okay. Yeah. So go ahead. Did you remove a condition or stress? Uh, I moved stress. Uh, yeah, so go ahead. You recover two stress. And we turn the page. Uh, and Sister Solstice, what do we see? Um, so you see Sister Solstice um, 
opening a door um, into the hallway of the uh, bed and breakfast. Oh yeah. Uh, what what's been going on with the bed and breakfast? Because you were I don't know you were gone for a month. So like, has anyone been running it? Has it just been vacant? What's been going on? Um, that's what she's finding out. Okay. <laughs> um, but she walks out and like she looks like kind of your typical teenager. She's clearly been sleeping for a while. Um, but, uh, she walks out and she's just trying to kind of get her bearings. She goes, um, I guess she goes to like the desk. Mm-hmm. Like and, check-in desk? Yeah. Okay. And she's, um, checking the log and she sees like who's staying there so that she can make a mental note of the names. Um, so she can greet guests and stuff like that. And then she goes into the kitchen, um, and starts preparing um, the food for the day. Um, and she's just kind of slipping into, like, what she's supposed to do, like, what her role is now in this place. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but what she's wanting to do is rest and recover. And so, like, she's slipping back into, like, her regular role. Um, and she's just, she's taking time to um, sleep and... Um, just try to feel normal while figuring out what she's going to be able to do next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you you said people are like actively checked in yes. to, to the bed and breakfast. Yeah. So then someone has been here who's been here. An aunt. An aunt? But okay. I don't know her name. So we was have, there an aunt in the? We we have not established okay. any any other members of your your coven, your extended family. So we have Mother Midnight, we have Sister Solstice, Auntie Arcane, Auntie Auntie Arcane, Auntie Auntie Equinox. As you are preparing things in the kitchen, you know, falling back into your routine, or rather kind of picking up the routine that your mother left behind, uh, the door to the pantry opens, which is very strange, but this is a strange house, and Auntie Equinox steps out. What? Tell me, what's the first thing somebody would notice about Auntie Equinox? Um, she's very tall. Mm-hmm. very slender mm-hmm. and just all of her features are very like angle angular uh-huh. and so like and like pointy so like she's got a really pointy nose mm. and like everything like she just it's just like everything comes to a point mm-hmm. yeah okay so anti-equinox walks out and looks at you doris auntie I should thank you for coming back, wherever you've been. You're welcome. But I'm not going to. And she walks over and, like, swirls her hands around and, like, some eggs come out of the basket and crack themselves and go into a batter. Uh, Sister Solstice rolls her eyes and she's under her breath. She says, you're welcome anyway. (laughs) When the distress call from your mother went out, I responded immediately. I expected to find you here, keeping things in shape, but apparently you have not. 
As a member of the Summer Coven, it is your responsibility to uphold the standards of hospitality. Yet I find this place in shambles. And you, gone. If you know anything about me, you know that I would never leave without a good reason. Can you trust that? I suppose I have to. Yes, you do. She says with a little teenage sass. Mm-hmm. Very well, niece. There is someone staying in room 1A and 2B. If you could please go take them their menus. She stares at her for a second and, like, like she's contemplating contemplating being um, obstinate in this moment. Mm-hmm. But then she quickly grabs the menus and okay. um, jets out the door. Yeah. You uh, and as you are running down the hallway to go up the stairs to to deliver these menus, you hear a knock at the door. It kind of startles her just because she's not expecting it, and she's a little bit on edge with everything that's gone on recently for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she takes a beat and she opens the door. Yeah, standing there in the uh, morning sunlight is your classmate. Calvin Von Ratcliffe. Uh, he's just standing there and he has like a... Oh gosh, what what did he bring you? He's holding something in his hands for you. What did he bring? Um, like I was going to say roses, but that's like, nah, he wouldn't bring you no. roses. Um, I think it's like... A bunt cake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's... Um, like soup or something because i think at school they probably thought i was out sick and i've been sick for a while so like he's bringing me so some sort of soup yeah okay uh and he's standing there with like a little mason jar of soup in his hands uh and he looks at you and he says oh um doris I, i i didn't you've been gone uh huh I I was just uh, bringing this um, for you, but I didn't know you would uh, be here. Um, is your is your mother better? Um, she's still a little sick. Oh, I I heard about something happening here, and well, your aunt was here when I came by, and she said your mother was very sick and had to go upstate. My my dad's been gone for a couple of weeks now, too. He does that sometimes. How have you been? Uh, I, I've been good. I've, uh, I've been seeing you at, at school. It's been kind of lonely. Still don't really know anybody. She has kind of a sheepish grin on her face. I missed you, too. There's a panel of y'all just standing there in the doorway. She has her hands behind her back. Of course. And then very stiff, like with stiff arms, he holds out the mason jar to you. This is for you. Chicken noodle soup. She grabs it really quick. Um, so will I see you at school tomorrow? Um, yeah. Good. And then he walks away. She kind of steps back slowly and then closes the door. And then she just stands there for a beat and kind of smiles. 
and then she flits off to take the menus to the people that are staying there okay and as you flit off and run out of panel we just see the little white letters in the bottom corner of this page that says to be continued end of episode woo, woo, woo. thanks for listening to this week's episode of tales to inspire we'll be back with our next episode on july 18th if you have social media you can find us on facebook and twitter like and follow us at Misconceptions Pod for up-to-date information about the show, behind-the-scenes pictures, and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show. We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you'd like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content, please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash iam underscore w-a-k-e. Omission was played by Mitchell Wallace, who can be found at Mitch Bustillos on Twitter. Crystal Gazer was played by Marlo Bogus, who can be found at Marlo Bogwich on Twitter. Torchbearer was played by Phil Montgomery, who can be found at BMC Philanthropy on Twitter. Geiger Gwyn was played by Christy Scheidemantle, who can be found at Polish Christy on Twitter. Dr. Fusion was played by Occam Razor, who can be found at Occam Sockam Robo on Twitter. Sister Solstice was played by Carrie White, who hates Twitter and refuses to get one. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Banana Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks A New Generation role-playing game, both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all.